Welcome to the Random Wellness Podcast with your host, Nicole Van Quaytho, nutritionist, owner, Simply Nick, and taco enthusiast. Join me each week for all things random wellness, including intuitive nutrition, entrepreneurship, holistic living, good vibes, and a dash of woo-woo. I hope this podcast gives you a good laugh, teaches you something new, and helps you up-level your health. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Random Wellness Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to introduce JP and Mike, who are two of the three founders of Resolve CBD, which is a CBD company based out of Toronto, Canada. Today, we chatted all things CBD, and selfishly, because I pretty much know nothing about CBD, I wanted to go right back to the beginning, you know, learn what it is, the difference between CBD and THC. All the benefits and even we chatted about some other things like you know what it's like to have a business um, in like the CBD space especially with all the different regulations um, growing hemp all of that stuff so yeah today's episode is very interesting and very informative so I hope you guys enjoy what is your favorite food <laughs> chicken wings Okay. Hands down. It's a hard one, but anything uh, chicken-based, I'll eat. <laughs> okay, fair. Can I go with like a whole genre of cuisine? I'd go with Indian. Okay. Dude, any, okay. any type of vegetarian Indian. Okay, right on. Vegetarian, so. Yeah. Okay. Indian's great for that. Exactly, yeah, it is. Nice. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Vegetarian. Favorite place you've traveled? Oh, that's going to be hard. That's okay. Hard. Um, does it have to be like a city or can it be a country? It can be a country, whatever you want. Great. Well, just warning you now. <laughs> <laughs> um, oof. Okay, well, I'm a city person. I I like big cities. So, uh, Tokyo was insane. I love Tokyo. Bangkok was crazy. Um, yeah. Oh, and then uh, this is kind of a boring one, but LA. I love LA. Like I would live in LA. The three. Yeah. Okay. So I picked three. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You can whatever you want. I'm, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna choose one. I'm just gonna go Chiang Mai, Thailand. Okay. Yeah, northern, northern-ish Thailand. Amazing. Lots of cool, like uh, little shops and and pubs, bars you can go to there. Great smoothie places, and then they have tons of like outdoor activities. What nice. kind of these fun kind? They also have those. <laughs> I feel like you guys have both traveled a lot, um, but where is the next place you want to travel? COVID aside. For me, it's because um, I've never been anywhere in South America. So okay. um, I'd like to either backpack or take a long trip through South America. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe getting a bike and uh, a biking trip. Cool. Yeah, same here. I that's the one um, continent I guess I haven't visited. Um, okay. So I would probably start in like Colombia and then like definitely do like Brazil and like that whole region of South America. Nice. Um, or Africa. That's like the the, the other one. Right. Yeah. You should go wild safaris. You're still. Yeah. You can still actually go. Yeah, Botswana, South Africa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Love those answers. Okay. Last hard-hitting question. Actually, this maybe this is sometimes hard for people. Um, favorite book or author? It doesn't have to be like your favorite book of all time. If, if it's like something you've read recently, whatever. 
Um, so I read a lot of nonfiction. Um, okay. And being a podcaster, you might be familiar with Tim Ferriss. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Huge Tim Ferriss fan. Um, love his podcast and his books. Although I've found recently it's been very repetitive. Like he's putting out books that are like the different versions of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So like Tools of Titans, um, Tribe of Mentors, like those are great. Yep. Um, right now I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a very popular one. Just read that one, yeah. Yeah, I'm like a third of the way through, I think. Nice. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was like amazing. I feel like maybe because people were hyping it up so much that I was like expecting. Yeah. It's like great like book that was gonna like change my life. And I was like, yeah, it was like a good read during quarantine, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I know Mike is uh for me, I mean I've got I'm looking at a book right now that I'm reading. It's it's I I'm into biographies. Okay, cool. Um, so right now I'm reading the biography on Elon Musk. Um okay. a- huge uh tesla spacex fanboy so uh for me just like reading about how he's been man- managed to kind of maneuver like all different aspects of different types of industry okay. um for me that's kind of been inspiring and uh, i just yeah i just like to uh learn about people who can maybe teach you something better about yourself yeah i think that's more exciting than atomic habits habits from <laughs> put his whole life I recently invested a lot into Tesla after getting far enough into this book. <laughs> Actually, on that note, um, that reminds me, one of my favorite like books that is a biography is Shoe Dog. Okay. Um, a biography of Phil Knight, founder of Nike. And it's, I found it to be, it, it's written like a story. So it reads like fiction. Mm. You really buy into like the characters, but then like they're real people. So it's, it's written really well and it keeps you hooked. It's not dry or boring. And it's, it's like the very early days. So it's his life from like teenager to like the eighties. So before Nike became what it is today. And it's really interesting to see. Cool. And he, in fact, Tidbit drew, like Nike started because of his trips to Japan. Mm-hmm. And the original shoe manufacturer was, um, what's that really big Japanese one with the lines came from anyways. Um, Can't remember. Yeah, so Nike kind of was born out of his trips to Japan, so. Cool. Yeah. Add that to the list of books that I need to read. Definitely read it. It's it's amazing. You would like it. I would like it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I keep asking everyone this question selfishly so I can like build up a list of books yeah. to read during like winter quarantine. I'm like, that's what I like about Tim Ferriss because he interviews all these top performers, and one of his go-to questions is, "What are your book recommendations?" Okay. Yeah, so he has a lot of like book lists on his on his blog from other people. Okay, I need to check that out then too because I feel like I bought like a couple books. And thinking, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, like, take my time reading them. And then I'm in quarantine pretty much, and I'm trying not to watch as much Netflix. I'm like, all right, well, it's been a week, and I need, like, another 10 books, I guess, to get me through the month. So <laughs> run out of options here. All right, so to start, I'd love to learn a little bit more about the both of you. So if you can kind of introduce yourselves and maybe share a little bit of your backstory. I mean, you can go, like, as far back as you want. If you want to talk about, like, when you're a kid, if you want, you can do that. <laughs> if you want to skip Drop. that, you can. Yeah. Um, well, I, might, I won't go back too far because I don't want to take up like you know <laughs> hours of this podcast. But uh, yeah, Mike, uh, I've introduced myself, but uh, been in um, in the city for about ten years. Prior to that, I was um, University of Guelph, where I studied uh, management economics. And prior to that, I grew up in London, oh, and Ontario, London, Ontario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, wanted to wanted to go to the city and do something different for university after both my brothers. Well, my parents kind of pushed me out of the house. You know, they, they had enough of that with, with the, the two older brothers. So I went into um, 
went into Guelph uh, and really enjoyed my time there in economics and then got into finance and banking shortly after university. Figured out that wasn't really for me and then shift my gears into looking at um, a different industry that I felt could be of benefit um, and that was also kind of on the cutting edge, which is not the CBD, it's, it was actually electricity and, and renewable energy. And so I've, I've been doing that for the last uh, eight years. And in the last couple of years, uh, concurrently working with JP and, and JT to develop this, our CBD business. Um, and I've been a, a long-term cannabis user from a medical perspective, uh, just helping with injuries and, and different things that I've kind of incurred through, through university and rugby. And, and so as a, as a medical user, I saw a lot of the benefits, especially outside of the psychoactive stuff, especially mm-hmm. THC. So being a CBD user, I kind of naturally gravitated towards wanting to be in a business where I could bring, bring that to a bunch of other people and then met some like-minded individuals and kind of went from there. Amazing. Um, so yeah, a, a similar story, I guess all three founders have a bit of an unconventional path to where we are now. So for me, um, same thing, I went to Laurier for business, so did my undergrad in business, specializing in accounting, and then did my CA, my chart accounting designation after that. <clears throat> Worked at RBC for like five and a half years, um, finance accounting, same thing, but I've always been a creative soul at heart. Um, growing up in high school, I was I was always like the quiet, introverted kind of artsy kid. And um, yeah, I was really into like visual art and photography and then in university music and started DJing and doing photography and all, all of these other sort of creative passions. So my day job was in financing, finance and accounting, but that was similar to Mike, that wasn't my, my end goal. I knew that I wasn't going to retire in the corporate sort of gig. Um, so after doing all the academic stuff and all the schooling, um, was looking at different opportunities, started to really dive deeper into those creative outlets, but now looking at it more from a business lens of how could I actually treat this like a business and make money. So I started DJing a bunch of weddings, um, mm-hmm. other gigs, started doing photography a bit more seriously um, for like paid gigs. And I've always wanted to do something of my own, like my own project. And so the third founder, Jackson, me and him, uh, we met at Laurier. He's also a Laurier grad as well. And so we were both creative and we've always kind of collaborated on different little side hustles and side projects from like selling t-shirts and hats to like throwing events and stuff like that. And yeah, um, business opportunities kind of came up. We met Mike and sort of went from there and the rest is kind of history. Awesome. I'd be kind of curious to learn more about what it was like starting a CBD business, um, especially like how long have you been in business for now? We are just about to hit two years as of November. Okay. December, yeah. So like a very interesting time in Canada, especially to be getting into this business. So like, what has that process been like? Because I suspect there's probably been a few hoops to jump through in terms of like getting things up and running. Like I know very little, but I know even for other companies to sell CBD, even they're like wholesaling it, they have to find like the proper like payment processor and like, there's just yeah. so many like little things that I feel like people don't even like probably realize that you guys had to deal with just to get this company going. We really just had a call with our payment processor. Like, <laughs> you did have to look for a couple of those yeah. that, that would accept it. I mean, it's probably important to note uh, like at this point that there is a, like a key distinction between 
the type of CBD that, yes. that you sell. So yeah. we use only hemp-derived CBD, mm-hmm. and as a result, it means that there's no THC, and it's separately governed from the Cannabis Act, because even before uh, cannabis was legal, October, uh, cannabis, sorry, uh, hemp-derived CBD products were pretty much readily available. Mm-hmm. And because of the, legal, the legalization, it increased the awareness and, and interest for it. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of tagged on to that, that to like level of increased awareness, like in research, but we're offering only hemp derived products. And so we were able to kind of just, you know, pick up, pick up mm-hmm. on that interest. Yeah. There. Uh, yeah, no, there's been a lot of hoops. And so like Mike was saying, that's a very important distinction that I think a lot of people are not aware of. Yeah. Even at the government level, like with regulations, when they, the Cannabis Act was put out, it's very convoluted because the Cannabis Act, is it covers the cannabis plant. So at the plant level, cannabis includes marijuana and hemp. They both belong to that family. There's just a different species of cannabis. Right. How, so that the term cannabis, is that's how they, they define it at a very broad level. But there's a really big difference between hemp and marijuana, and that difference is THC. So the content of THC in marijuana can be upwards of 30%. Mm-hmm. It's the leading compound in that plant. Whereas in hemp, the leading compound is CBD. And there's actually less than 0.3% uh, THC in dried hemp. And THC is a psychoactive compound, right? So right. you're looking at almost two different plants because one is psychoactive. It'll impair you and the other won't. But the Cannabis Act doesn't really delineate between those two. And all of the specific guidelines are around governing marijuana and marijuana-based products. So then hemp-based CBD is, is falling in this weird sort of like gray area and it's undefined. Right. And then you have the industrial hemp regulations, which is a whole different thing. And that adds more confusion because now you oh have- my gosh. Yeah, you have this other piece of regulation that governs uh, the farming of hemp. But right. historically, a lot of hemp farming was used to make hemp-based products like fabrics and things. But yeah. now CBD, a lot of hemp farmers are like, oh, CBD, I'm going to completely change my whole business model to serving that market. So it's very confusing, it's very gray. So there's that. And then you had mentioned payment processing. So because of that gray area, and a lot of people think, oh, CBD, that's weed, that's marijuana, that's cannabis, and they interchange those terms. So finding a payment processor that's, you know, not like super conservative, and also is open to understanding how there's differences. Um, and then advertising is the other thing. So because it's kind of bucketed in with cannabis mm-hmm. at that broad sort of level, um, we we can't buy advertising. So that's another mm-hmm. huge loophole. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Okay. So we can't buy um, Google AdWords and you know Instagram ads and Facebook ads, any of that, because all of those channels are U.S. owned and operated. Okay. So there's that part of it because in the U.S cannabis is federally illegal and then in canada it's like just all confusing because cannabis is federally legal but then cbd is like a question mark so a lot of a lot of hoops to jump through and it also limits to like like who we can sell with in terms of wholesale like right. the, um mm-hmm. i mean and, and if we were to like if we were looking at getting a retail location like we're pretty much mostly online we have a few um we have about a dozen wholesalers carry our product uh but finding the the right balance between the partnerships that you create um, with them from the wholesale perspective and also looking at getting a retail location. Those are complicated issues as well. Yeah, like your, your big chain, you know, nutrition stores like a GNC, for example, are like, nope, hands off. But then okay. we're in some independent nutrition stores in Toronto. 
similarly um, with clinics and you know, we get a lot of um, outreach from like physiotherapists, RMTs, trainers, and RMTs are governed by a specific organization. I don't remember the name, but when you get certified as a registered massage therapist, those guidelines say that they can't use CBD based products. But last year I was at in Niagara Falls for a wedding and I was at the Delta hotel and in their spa, they were offering a new CBD infused massage oil mm-hmm. massage at a discount. So I'm like, yeah, so it's, 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 it's honestly, it's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Short yeah. yeah. And I kind of find it interesting too, cause I grew up on a farm. So that, hemp farming piece is like obviously like not on, I didn't grow up on a hemp farm um uh, I do just like find it interesting that piece too right because that happens in a lot of different agricultural crops you know like farmers changing things based on what market's demanding so that's another interesting side of it that I never even like would have thought of on that note you'll find interesting from the farming sort of perspective another hoop which we've been running into lately is because all these farmers are now jumping on the CBD wagon Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are not as experienced in the process that's required to extract, you know, a, 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 from hemp for that specific use case. Mm-hmm. So then you get like inconsistency in our raw ingredients. Like every time we get raw ingredients, you know, you have to retest it, and, and there's those kind of hurdles as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, but it's not a member industry. And right? there's, so. we I mean, we don't need to necessarily get into the, the details of extraction mm-hmm. methods. It's maybe a bit of a technical conversation, but there are several different ways you can extract. Um, a CBD, whether it be like a, a, an oil or an isolate or uh, a broad spectrum extract, um, there's all kinds of different ways you can extract it, and those yield different bioavailability and different quantities and qualities that you would expect to receive from it, mm-hmm. and that can impact your product a lot. So we have to be careful with whom we like kind of purchase our our inputs. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because I this is a weird like backstory of mine, but I actually have a background in like rural economic development um, before I got into nutrition in my like grew up you know on a farm did a lot of like work in that space so um, one of the interesting areas that we actually worked with were obviously agriculture because where I live or grew up was Tulsenburg which you probably don't know maybe if you're from London you know because it's not that far yeah Yeah. Um, so like you know, Middlesex, Elgin, Brant, Norfolk, like all those places have a lot of interesting farms that are changing from the tobacco industry. And some of them are getting into growing cannabis. And so that's like a huge change that we've seen over like the last like three years, especially. It's like insane. It's like major employer now in our region for people. Like, but then I've also seen some like farms try to like, is it, it's a different like license, isn't it? To like, yeah, you need to be a licensed producer in order to like legally yeah. grow that for yeah. cannabis, like, for cannabis you know, uh, marijuana type cannabis. Yeah. And they're, they're, I feel like they're probably guessing a little bit, some of them, in terms of what they're doing, like just because you know how to grow corn or soybeans or, you know, yeah. watermelon doesn't mean you're going to know how to grow cannabis. So I find that kind of an interesting thing that's been yeah. happening in our region over the last few years for sure. Although hemp is a, is very easy and hardy to grow in comparison to uh, some other strains of cannabis that are more widely popular and okay. and sought after, uh, it's most given that it's an industrial crop, it grows super easily with very little pesticides and herbicides. Okay. Whereas traditional cannabis that people would have, you know associate with that word is very particular to the set and setting. 
and it can be easily pollinated and turned into a male plant, which complicates things further. Um, so if they, from a hemp perspective, it's easy to grow quality stuff. If you're looking specifically at traditional cannabis, it's a lot more complicated. Okay, interesting. I feel like my brothers will listen to this and like want to nerd out because they also grow hops, so they'll probably find this like really oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, and just yeah. to give you some background, since Mike sounds like the nerd, the nerdy one out of the two. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, we didn't get into this in the in the little stuff. Yeah. Mike is the chief product officer. At okay. Mitchell. He does all of the R and D and product formulations, so that's okay. why he does all of this farm stuff. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> and I do all the marketing and branding cool. work, so that's where I nerd out. Do you have any? Yeah, yeah. No, perfect. No, that's why I'm like, and I feel like I always like try to like resist my farm background sometimes. Because, like, up, and I'm just like, damn. Embrace it. Embrace it. I know. It's like, my dad would always make fun of me. He's like, you're going to end up doing something with like food and farming one day. And I'm like, I'm like, when I was a teenager, I was like, no, never. And then I end up always talking about farming. I'm like, damn it. No, it's like, I'm outside picking tomatoes, you know, in my garden. I'm like, oh. You know what I rewatched? The other night was Interstellar. Okay. You seen that movie? Yeah, yeah, seen and it, it's yeah. like the world is like about to die because of, of the farming. Yeah, like there's yeah. no food being grown. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we need farmers. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that movie also just messed me up. I like I had to like think about it for like an hour after. I was like, can we have a oh, deep yeah. please? <laughs> yeah. Um, I am interested though, like, so in terms of like actually creating your product, so like, do you like buy direct from farms or like, how does that work? Or is there like a commodity group that you like purchase through? Cause I don't know how that would work with cannabis. So like, I'm just curious. So there's, uh, yeah, so we, we do work with uh, like sort of a small group of, um, producers of industrial hemp who okay. then do an extraction process themselves or have there may be somebody in between that line that is helping them with the extraction process. If the farmer is not maybe too aware of it, then they may have somebody that's helping them to process the extract. And then we would purchase that. Okay. So we receive it in sort of a raw format okay. that we then would um, obviously test and measure and then infuse into our different products. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And like, do you guys have like a place in Toronto then where you like, yeah, we have a facility in Toronto where essentially it doubles as our office in our production room. Okay. And so we're hoping to, you know, ex looking to expand that. We've been in the same place since we started operations and <laughs> we're sort of pushing the limit of what that, what that facility it's, can uh, take. It's small. Yeah, it's pretty okay. small. <laughs> no, so, it's like what, 700 yeah, square feet or tiny, something? Yeah, tiny, tiny space. Um, yeah. I mean, and I mean, when we get more into the background, because Resolve CBD kind of happened sort of by accident or by chance. Okay. It wasn't the original plan. So we kind of just retrofitted the office space we had for the original business idea into for Resolve. And with Resolve, there's a whole manufacturing side of that, right? Which we never right. were initially um, looking into. So right now we have that space and we're looking to expand into a bigger mm -hmm. space. But yeah, but yeah, based out of Toronto and, and yeah, we, we get that whole plant extract from the farms and then from there on it's everything is in-house which a lot of people are actually surprised to hear when I yeah. ask because people think we outsource the infusion okay actually we just like white label and then do the branding or whatever but we actually do all of our product formulations um, and production in-house mm -hmm. okay Can and you? then and you know yeah. JB designs the label we have a whole creative <laughs> team and then we have like a you know a packaging center in the room 
uh, and then we take it right over to Canada Post ourselves. Yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I know it's like the glamorous side of like business that people don't see, right? They like have this like idea in their mind. Yeah. It's like you can see behind me, people listening won't, but I have like some of my merch hanging up, and it's funny because like I think people like have this like idea that like it just magically appears at their door. I'm like, no, I'm like printing labels uh, on my oh, floor. No. And walk into Canada Post and dropping off your orders. And at first, you're taking like photos of those. You're so proud of it, right? And now, and now it's and now it's like yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's more of a it's more of a process, and we're trying to figure out ways to yeah. you know um, scale what we're doing and figure out ways to kind of improve our our uh, just our overall efficiencies. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's where we can get into a bigger space, hopefully next year. Yeah. No. Fair. I feel like that's a interesting business to try to scale to. Like what trends do you guys see in terms of like CBD and hemp products over like the next few years? I would say um, it is similar in a lot of ways to like your traditional marijuana cannabis. Okay. And so we can look to that industry, which is obviously, at least in Canada, much more mature. Right. We can also look to the states and I don't want to get into like the, the legal confusion again, but in the of states, <laughs> um, hemp actually at the farm level in the states is federally legalized as of the end of last year. They passed something called the Farm Bill Okay. So it's sort of the reverse of the legal framework in Canada where cannabis, i.e. weed or marijuana is federally illegal, but hemp-based products, including CBD, is legal. Okay. So they've actually done, in, in a way, they've almost done a better job because they've split it. They, they're looking at hemp separately from like marijuana, whereas we're not. So right. in the States, you actually have thousands of hemp CBD companies, some of which are public. Here, there's only a handful. So in terms of trends, we obviously look at the states as we do with many industries, and then we yeah, also yeah. look at cannabis. And food and beverage, I'd say, is like huge. It's like That's like the future of cannabis, and I'd say probably for CBD as well. Okay. Um, topicals are a huge one. Mm, yeah. and, and then pets is a massive like subsector as well. It might be one of the biggest growing areas. Yeah, for pets. Um, and Talk so we did with, uh, sorry? Sorry, can you talk about the pet thing too? Yes, we'll get into the pet thing um, in a second, but in terms of the trends, and so, um, yeah, so that's where it's kind of trending. And, and a big reason for this is if you look at the common denominator with all these products, is they're all pre-existing products, right? Like you already have food, beverage, and topicals. Right. So it's familiar and it's accessible. Whereas like the staple product right now in the CBD industry is CBD oil, which is like this little tincture bottle you take a little dropper and you put it under your tongue and like I know that I've never done that in my life before. Before you <laughs> So but people when they see a cream or they mm -hmm. see a, uh, like a can, a, a can, yeah, like a capsule or, a or a gummy, they're like, oh yeah, like this is like something that I have known my entire life, but now there's CBD in it. So that's sort of where the market is trending in terms of like products. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so going back to pets, um, pets is a huge growing industry because with pets, they, cats and dogs primarily, they suffer from a lot of the same issues and ailments that humans do. Old age issues like arthritis and pain, inflammation, uh, cancer, exactly. Um, and also, anxiety, yeah, and also the same yeah. sort of, yeah, like I know like my dog, my parents' dog, and a lot of other dogs have like, you know, the thunderstorms and they're like going nuts or separation anxiety, right? Like we worked with a lot of uh, rescues in the early days and like, you know, the owner leaves their, their um, line of sight and the dog's going crazy. So um, CBD works in pretty much the same fashion with animals as it does with humans. And that's because it's a naturally occurring compound 
and I'll let Mike get into like the sure. details, but essentially our, our human bodies, um, CBD is processed to our central nervous system in what's called the endocannabinoid system, the ECS. Um, and animals share the same system, same ECS. So when we are stressed out and our bodies are secreting cortisol, uh, the stress hormone, you feel that anxiety at a physiological level. Similarly, when you're happy or you feel sad or angry or pleasure, or whatever, like dopamine, serotonin, these are all receptors and hormones. And CBD also has receptors in our bodies built in for it. CB1 and CB2 receptors. Um, and which, which the cannabinoids can go to stimulate those receptors. Exactly. If, if you're lacking within them. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. no. Just, um, so, yeah. And so think of it like a, like an like analogy that I use often is um, it's kind of like if you're deficient in like B12 or something, you go to an external source. So I mentioned endocannabinoid system. Endo is the word, I think it's a Latin within. word. Yeah. The Latin or Greek word. Yeah. The word for from within. And we are going to hemp. Um, or marijuana, because marijuana also contains CBD, um, for a phytocannabinoid source, phyto being plant. So you're just going to a plant source for something that is natural. And um, and that answers the question of, you know, a lot of people ask, like, can I take too much? Can I overdose? And it's like, no, it's not synthetic. It's not toxic. It's natural. So um, a lot of people don't realize that about cannabis, I think in general, and mm -hmm. cannabinoids are not just found in cannabis, although that's, you know, a, a primary source. They're found in things like cloves and cacao and like several other um, herbs. Uh, and so there's different ways that your body can receive endocannabinoids to go and stimulate your endocannabinoid system where it may be lacking in one aspect or another uh, on its kind of like perpetual journey to achieve its homeostasis. Like your, your body is always kind of forever trying to balance um, your central and peripheral nervous system imbalances as a result of uh, internal or external stressors. And so by supplementing it with an endocannabinoid um, in, the form, in the form of a phytocannabinoid, well, the endocannabinoid, it's, it's um, yeah, so from, yeah, so anyways, a phytocannabinoid in the form of, um, you know, CBD or other, you know, CBG, CBN, and THC, you can then use these kind of as a crutch or, you know, a, a supplement almost in a way of uh, like, you know, like a vitamin or something. Okay. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I think for people who might not like totally understand what CBD is or like how to use it, I kind of like the idea of almost like thinking about it as like a supplement, which is also a natural product. Um, but it's interesting because like through my nutrition schooling, um, obviously we like talked about physiology and like anatomy and all these things. And I remember, I think it was like a few months after was when I actually heard about like the endocannabinoid I can never say it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my God. Every time like, I'm going to butcher it. It's fine. Um, but it's like, I didn't hear about it until like I was actually doing my own research. And I'm like, so wait, why wasn't this talked about in like nutrition school, which I uh, biology. Or, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, up until recently, cannabis is just like a no fly zone. And with cannabis, that's a schedule one or two controlled substance. Like it's legal. It's a drug. It's heroin. But literally that's how they've categorized it. Well, in the states, uh, I previously categorized it. Yeah. yeah, in the states. Um, so, yeah, and, and if, again, if you look to the states as an example where hemp CBD is legal, the way they treat it is as a natural health product. <clears throat> That's how they treat it there. Um, here, there is no guideline or regulation, but we're hoping that when the industry does mature and there is a, you know, a regulatory framework for hemp CBD, hopefully they do the same. Right. And then it would be similar to any other. 
um, natural health product where you get an NPN number and you can have it on the shelves of like Shopper's Drug Mart. Okay. Can you explain something too on like, and I don't know if it has on your packaging, but on like, I've seen CBD products and it's like point something, something, something like really tiny, like THC. Is that like something they have to put on there like legally, but it's not really like something that's actually going to like cause the effects of like THC? I think it's probably a transparency thing. I don't know if, if it's a legal requirement, if it's, if it's categorized as a, as a, um, a health supplement. It is for marijuana-based CBD Yeah, definitely. If you're, if, you're in a, if you're in a licensed uh, yeah. retailer location, they have to put in all, all the cannabinoid um, breakdown. Okay. Remember, we said in the beginning that um, there's marijuana and hemp, but CBD is common to both. You can have a marijuana-based CBD product. It's just that you're also going to have THC in there. Okay. More likely to yeah. have THC in there. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you, if it's a hemp derived, it's, it's, even if it's a full spectrum, which it contains the full um, profile of the cannabinoid um, and, and amino acid and, and uh, essential oils that are within the plant, which is what we use. Um, it's often considered to be a superior extract. So even though you have like the full uh, extract of, of that profile, you're going to have trace amounts of THC possibly, but it's going to be less than 1%. Um, okay. In dry format, as JP said, it's 0.3%. When you can when you condense it, it, it might go up a little bit, um, but uh, usually it's less than one percent. Okay. So we, we have all of ours lab tested by a third party, so we list the full um, uh, with cert- certification of analysis. Yeah, certificate of analysis. Yeah, <clears throat> that's something to look for if you are yeah um, in the market for hemp-based CBD products, especially because um, it's not regulated. So okay. like if you were to go and buy a supplement at your shoppers I mean even that industry is very questionable but still um, you know that it's passed some level of testing and approval right by Health Canada like there's there's an NPN number and you know it's, it's on the shelf whereas hemp CBD CBD products here the only thing you can really go by is that third-party lab test result the COA certificate of analysis and so any legitimate CBD company should be making those things readily available. We post it on our site for you to look at right away for each product. Um, but regardless, like even if you were to email a CBD company, they should be sending it to you. Cause that's the only real assurance you have, right? Because it's not, you know, Health Canada approved. There hasn't been any sort of regulatory sort of testing or framework that it has to have gone through mm. to be manufactured and sold and distributed. So definitely a big thing to look for just to ensure that one, the THC level is, you know, where it should be, which is basically negligible. So if you were to look at any of our lab tests on our site, it's going to say ND, ND, not detected, because yeah. uh, it's so low that it, the test can't even pick it up. It's like point one. Yeah, less than less than one percent or mm-hmm. less than a half a percent. Yeah, um, and then it'll show you the percentages of other cannabinoids that are not psychoactive, but it's yeah. not just CBD. There's a whole bunch of others. Um, yeah, which again, because we have used a full spectrum, that there, there's they, we test for, um, and I mean. Probably are not a lot of your listeners may not be aware, but there's like cannabinoids like CBG, cannabigerol, and, and CBN, uh, cannabinol. Um, these are uh, trace cannabinoids that help with the bioavailability um, that's already within cannabis um, and hemp. So it's um, it's beneficial to have these these other compounds, and they don't have any psychoactive properties either. Okay, interesting. I mean, I don't know if anyone else cares about that, but I do. I find this very interesting. So <laughs> you can keep nerding out on this as much as you want for my own personal benefit. Um, but that is interesting what you said about like the, was it the COA, um, like certification, just because you mentioned like the supplement industry too, which like 
I mean, as a nutritionist, like I'm very particular about like what supplement brands I suggest to clients. And I have so many that, you know, I have like a platform that I can use where I can like suggest brands and they can create a profile makes it really nice and easy, but they decide to go to the drugstore <laughs> and pick up their own. They're like, well, at the drugstore. I decided to get these. And I'm like, oh no, like, yeah, like, it just, it's not the same. Like the quality is not there. Like you're wasting, you're pretty much like throwing your money away too in terms of like just buying random companies and supplements. So kind of yeah. sounds like you might have the same issue in terms of like the hemp. Yeah, and it could be even worse, right? And it's crazy to think that like a technically very mature, legal, regulated space like the natural health product space is still, there's such a massive disparity. You can buy like, I don't know, like your your vitamin, whatever, your magnesium pill from company A and company B, and it's like totally different. So I might pick your brain later offline on like yeah, what totally. Because yeah. um, I do use supplements here and there. Yes. So. We can nerd out over that. Be happy to. <laughs> um, I'd like to learn more about the like the um, benefits of CBD. So and even maybe some of the different uses. Because I know you're kind of mentioned like topical uses, and obviously like we already talked about the pet side of things. But yeah, I'd be interested to kind of dive into that side of CBD. Definitely. I can probably start mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. So yeah. I think the main, um, or at least the uh, so far the proven benefits of CBD or well-known benefits of CBD are its, its ability to be, number one, it's anti-inflammatory and, and um, antimicrobial, antifungal. So just in general, it's it's good from those perspectives and also has very, very strong anti-anxiety properties. Okay. Those would be the, 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 the like kind of top level. Um, it also has, it also has been shown to have some neuroprotective properties. So from neurodegenerative disorders, um, it can also promote uh, bone density, um, muscle recovery, and um, even things like um, like hair, uh, like you know, fiber density or uh, uh, regrowth of, of cell cells uh, that are generative from even just working out or from from old age. So, and it's also it might have, uh, and I don't want to like claim, but there's still been lots of studies. But there's also potentially um, uh, anti-cancer uh, properties or, or uh, its ability to fight off cancer-forming uh, cells. Okay. So that would be from a high level. That's sort of primary benefits in terms of uh, how people would translate those into type of products and the applications of them. Um, so chiefly people use uh, like a JP mentioned a tincture, which they can ingest under their tongue. They take it sublingually and it's absorbed rapidly that way. And you have a, like a really high optic in terms of uh, absorbing a lot of it. And that's, you know, what most people would use. Of course, you can also ingest it in the form of like a capsule or um, edible just like you would with anything else that you would eat. That has a little bit of a slower onset and a little bit of longer duration of, um, of effectiveness, but maybe a like slightly pronounced because of its uh, sort of its long onset. But some people like it for, for because of that, um, that characteristic alone. And then you get into things like topicals, where topicals are really, really good for localized um, issues that are skin, um, just skin deep. So for example, like a, a local um, inflammation or um, uh, like an irritant, a rash, uh, eczema. Uh, there's a lot of different kind of uh, skin, you know, for example, rashes. Uh, that's, that's a really actually good um, uh, treatment I've, I've actually experienced it myself. And so, but the thing about topicals is they don't penetrate the, the blood barrier. So you don't get anything into your bloodstream by taking a topical. Uh, so if you're trying to get, for example, like an anti-anxiety anti or neuroprotective benefits from CBD, you'd want to consume that. 
Okay, interesting. Yeah, you mentioned a few, I mean, from like a nutrition perspective, <laughs> maybe these are normal questions someone would ask, but like, I'm thinking, I work with a lot of people who have like digestive health issues. Um, a lot of that does tie into stress and the anxiety piece, but a lot of it too is like, they have issues with like, you know, fungus overgrowth and, you know, bacteria in their gut. And I know you probably can't say like, oh, this can directly link to this, but like, is there research going on to look at how there is it's been it's been pretty pretty well like openly character uh categorized or or described as uh antifungal and um and antibacterial um and i don't know that that's really i don't know how many studies they've done on that uh but from my research it's that's uh i mean possibly because the efficacy of the dosage level may not be as effective as something else that be maybe uh, antibacterial or antifungal, but it does contain some properties. Whether you know, depending on the like the, the level of effectiveness from those you know, specific categories, I'm not sure, right. but it, it does contain some of that. Um, and so uh, I, I look at it more or less as a as like a supplement, really. Yeah. But even if because I take it daily, you know, obviously, even if I don't necessarily need it, um, I take it daily in the morning, and I more or less notice it if I really if I don't use it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because like I'm thinking, I don't know how familiar you are with like candida, but it's essentially like a yeast overgrowth. And a lot of people get it, especially women, I would say. And like one of the symptoms is like getting kind of like this rash, especially around like their mouth and like nose area. And it's typically like fungal. So I just like find that interesting. Like, oh, like I never thought of like CBD being a potential, you know, like something that could assist them in terms of like just helping bring that inflammation down while they're also like working on the gut health piece. Cause obviously some things, you know, you can't just treat top topically and it's just going to yeah. go away, but you know, if it can help with that inflammation, I know you mentioned too, like eczema um, yeah. and like, I'm assuming other probably skin conditions as well, which is interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We've had consumers like literally send us pictures. Um, I, I remember there was one girl recently that had like, must have been like an allergic reaction or something. She had like these hives on her arm, all over her forearm, with like these little like you know bumps. Yeah. And she sent us uh, a before and after one of our influencers, mm-hmm. and like she put the cream on and it went away. And she wasn't the first person that had that exact same sort of example, but she sent us like that before and after picture. Yep. So it's pretty, it's pretty insane. And everyone's body will respond differently. Of course. Well, so early, like we're not at the stage where like it's from a medical perspective, you can like, concentrate it and put it into like a capsule dose and take it in it to help yeah. you. But at least therapeutically or from a like supplement, like Mike said, for some people it works really, really well. Okay. Now, one question I do have too is like, when you're talking about it from like an anti-cancer perspective that there's like not, doesn't sound like there's conclusive like evidence to say like CBD can, you know, support X in terms of like any cancer property. So, my question is more around like the research and like the metal, medical community. Like, is there a lot of research being done? Is it being done well? Like, what's your perspective on that? I think I think it's it's partly because of its the lack of long term research that we have, and so any early research that we have would be based off of uh, probably too short of a period of time. And they also I don't know how much they're using actual human uh, cells or human uh, um, uh, subjects to study upon. Uh, most of it would be probably rats. And so, uh, translating that, you know, from, you know, rats to humans is like a pretty big jump. So that's why I like would, you know, treat it with like a grain of salt when I, when I read those things, right. but I have, I mean, I have read studies about it. It's showing, um, 
you know, promising uh, effects in terms of reducing or stopping tumor growth in, in rats when they're, when they're taking like high amounts of CBD. Um, and typically that, that's also combined with other cannabinoids, like trace amounts of, of THC. Yeah, because um, I remember, so I was actually diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma a few years ago. And one of the things that I was looking into was, well, this is crazy. At the time, they're like, oh, yeah, if you want to get CBD, you have to, like, go to your family doctor. And I was like, I, I just want, like, plain CBD. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, this is, like, a little outrageous. Um, but I remember someone telling me that it is more effective when there is, like, a little bit of THC in terms of, like, the anti-cancer properties, but honestly, after that, I didn't really look too much into it because I was like, I don't want to go to my family doctor. Like, the, <laughs> the lady won't even like do basic tests for me. She's not gonna like give yeah. me a prescription for like CBD. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that was like something that I found interesting during my health journey. So, is it just like the THC? It's just like more. Uh, well, I think it's. I think that, well, the THC it it, ha it obviously has um, other properties. Uh, unrelated to like the medical benefits that that you know people you know may be adverse to to using it because of its like psychoactive properties, right. um, but it does have some very protective cellular properties that work in in tandem with with CBD and other cannabinoids, and so while it may not be suitable for some people to to take CBD that's full spectrum and have some THC in it if they're treating anxiety for example, yeah. um, because the THC may trigger that. Uh, for people who are looking at it for like a cellular protective per perspective, um, having a full spectrum or trace amounts of, of THC and other cannabinoids is, is probably especially useful. And I think that's probably because of its bioavailability and just the fact that uh, something called the entourage effect. So when you have like the full spectrum of the plant profile uh, present in the product, you get a, a much bigger uptick of your bioavailability that your body can like make use of this product. Okay, that's so interesting. That like I feel like I've had this question in my head for like probably like three years. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why we chose to use a full spectrum. And I know a lot of companies they use they use an isolate, which is a, a pure CBD, no, contains nothing else, right? And it's just like okay. a pure white powder, ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine percent CBD. Mm -hmm. um, but you lose, and even though it may be really useful, especially from certain topical perspectives, uh, and if you're just trying to treat anxiety, maybe that could be a, a good avenue. Uh, but for like a whole suite of other applications, it, it's less, um, it's less important to have an isolate. Okay. Interesting. I do. So I have one final question for you guys is an easy one. Don't worry. Um, for people who are just interested in, in like trying CBD for like the first time, or they're just starting to get into it, what do you recommend they start with? Like in terms of like maybe dosage or like products, um, like what's a nice, easy way to get into it? Um, I would say, like I said, the, the staple product is the CBD oil and it's the most effective we found because when you do take it under the tongue sublingually, you're, you're bypassing your digestive system. Uh, and so the onset is much quicker. So it will be absorbed through the glands in your gums and it'll hit your bloodstream in like 15 minutes or so. Okay. Whereas if you took an edible, like a CBD gummy or a capsule, it's really dependent on a lot of variables like your body type, your metabolism when you last eight hydration levels, all of those things. Um, and then with the topical products, <clears throat> that only goes skin deep, right? So the oils are a great place to start. Again, it depends on what you're looking to sort of help with. I think the key thing to start with, really, is what you're trying to treat. What you're trying to treat. And um, for most people, if they are looking for relief from anxiety and stress and, you know, 
most common ailments like you know pain chronic pain and, and inflammation and things like that i would recommend to start with the oil okay um and in terms of dosage again it you can't like take too much in okay. terms of toxic but with cbd it's not that more is always better there is sort of a, a sweet spot and okay. so starting kind of you know we say in the industry of start low and go slow so um we on our website we do have like a three-step quiz you can take that'll kind of give you a good starting dose okay. and we also have like a, like a chart version of that as well and so based on your body weight and the severity of what you have whether it's pain or anxiety or otherwise it would kind of give you a starting dose which would then inform which product to buy um, and then from there you just have to kind of experiment and see what works for you so i kind of know my perfect dose and then where you know needed i might go a little bit more than that if i've had like a heavy workout or i'm especially stressed out that week okay. um but yeah the oils are a great place to start i would say if you're trying to use it like therapeutically as a supplement mm. sort of um routinely like the oils are great yeah and and it, and it cbd um there there is some bioaccumulation that that typically happens um so you may depending on what it is you're trying to treat you may not find relief for like a few days, for example, especially if it's if it's a chronic pain-related issue. Okay. If it's a sleep or anxiety thing, there, it's more likely you'd have a short-term benefit, or if it's topical. But if you're if it if it's uh, something more, uh, if it's a deeper issue, then you want to give it a chance to work. Uh, and and like JP said, you want to start start low and go slow. So you would start with, for example, depending on your body weight, maybe it's 10 or 15 milligrams, maybe it's 20 milligrams. And then after taking that for you know several days, maybe a week, you would increase it by like a few milligrams, for example, um, per per day for like a, a few days, and then see how that works instead. Uh, and then I would probably give it a full two weeks at, at, a, at like a certain level before you decide whether or not you need to. You know, maybe it's not it's not going to work for your you know whatever ailment you're treating, um, or if you need like a higher dose. So you really need to give it sort of you know there's a bit of a trial and error. Um, but it is it is a biphasic um, effectiveness, so it doesn't mean that a higher dose is necessarily better. There's a sweet spot somewhere in the middle, kind of like you know a bell-shaped kind of effectiveness curve, and so it's important to remember that that a, a large dose is not necessarily going to do you uh, any any getting any good doing that. Okay, amazing. Well, this has been extremely informative. So I just want to thank the both of you for joining me tonight and taking the time to do this. Um, where can people find you? online like socials website that good stuff um resolve cbd is where you can find us resolve cbd.ca um, resolve cbd on instagram um, we are pretty active on all of those channels we're very easily reachable we're very accessible so on our site you know you can email us there's a live chat function which we get back to with you know within less than a day usually okay. within an hour um, and then on Instagram as well, we're like super active and we have someone answering any sort of direct messages um, and things like that. So amazing. Well, I will make sure I link all that stuff in the show notes. And yeah, thanks again for taking the time to do this. Thank no you so worries. much. It's great for, for having us. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode and don't forget to join the conversation over on socials at Simply Nick Nutrition and online at simplynicknutrition.com. 